am excited to talk about my sponsors today, Gay Lisby's Million Dollar Arbitrage Group. Amazing, amazing group. This is a teacher. This is, uh, Gay was a teacher. She is a teacher still. You need to learn this is the type of uh, environment you want to be in because she's going to help you understand why. And I think that's the hardest part of this business is understanding why. Why is the red one popular when the green one isn't? Well, there's usually a reason. And what Gay does is probably parse that better than anybody, and she'll explain the reasons for those things. I think that's really powerful. Yes, she puts out a list. You're going to get, uh, get use of that list if you get in the group. Now, here's the deal. The group isn't always open, right? So you get on the waiting list, and you can join the waiting list through my link. Um, doesn't cost you anything to, to get on a waiting list. And if you uh, like her service, which I find that most people do, and that's why there's not so many openings, um, you'll be with her for a long time. And so it's amazingfreedom.com. She's part of Andy Slamet's group. Amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum, and you're going to get in to the waiting list. That's all I can get you on right now. You can use my name and see if that gets you anywhere. But what I like about in that, uh, what I like about what they teach in that group are the things that are going on, you know, the current things. I've seen a lot of stuff going on about stores going out of business. Well, here's where an opportunity is. Here's why you want to do this. Hey, be cautious about this, you know, with Toys R Us coming out. You got to think about this. And that's the learning that you need to do. And gay is better than anybody else I've seen. So um, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum will get you to the waiting list. Then hopefully it can get you in the group and then you're going to see me in there and uh, we can chat anytime you're ready. Karen Locker's group, Solutions, the number four e-commerce, solutions4ecommerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you 50 bucks. Karen's our account manager. We recommend her to everyone because she's done so well for us. I mean, that's quite frankly the reason we've been paying her for the last few years, but she's become an important part of our team. Her and her team are so involved in our account. I just see the emails coming back and forth. Hey, we did this for you. I just saw two listings today. and I'm like, wait a second. Why did they show up? I didn't put any listings up. They got, uh, they got uh, set off to the side by Amazon, and they reactivated them for me. You know what I mean? That's the stuff that just happens when you have a strong team, and I can't recommend Karen enough. If you use uh, my code Momentum, Karen pays me. I don't want to hide that. Of course, we all know that, but you're going to save $50, and it's a great opportunity to really, really um, build out your team with somebody you can trust. That's why I recommend them. So solutions for e-commerce, solutions, the number for e-commerce.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50. Oh, and by the way, she's going to do an inventory health report. Why is that important? Well, guess what? Fees are going up. Is your inventory health number declining like ours is? Well, here's why, and here's what they can do. What I like is I get a spreadsheet from them and it says, hey, um, here's a bunch of inventory. Here's what we recommend. And I'm like, yep refund, I mean, uh, delete, uh, return to us, blah, 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 whatever it is. And it's or destroy. And it just happens. That's what I like. The other thing that I have Karen help me with a lot is creating new listings. You know, we do a lot of the research ourselves, we upload our images, and then boom, magically, the listing goes live. And I don't have to worry about it. Those are the services that Karen offers. Can't recommend her enough solutions for ecommerce.com forward slash momentum, save 50 bucks, use my code, you save $50 a month every single month, and it's a great service. Plus, you get that free inventory health report. I think it's a really powerful way. So I can't, uh, I'm so excited how many people have been joining her because I see it. And I'm excited because the, the messages I get from people are saying, hey, this is great. I finally feel like I can focus on something else because Karen and her team are watching this for me. And, you know, I highly recommend her.
Next up is Seller Labs and Scope. <laughs> I almost said it wrong. It's, it's amazing. I mean, it really is amazing when you sit back and think about, hey, I want to get this product up and it's similar to this product and that's, that product does well. Well, therefore, if that product does well, they have the right keywords. They have chosen things correctly. So guess what? You scope and you can see all that stuff. And that's what the, the most powerful thing in the world is to copy somebody who's done it right. That's what you want to, you want to take advantage of that, right? I mean, it's, it's fair uh, to see. And so therefore you could take and apply it to your listing and immediately get that same benefit. That's what scope does for me. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. It's going to save you $50 on the service. Oh, by the way, it's free to try. So sign up, try it and say, oh, this is how it's done. Boom. And then you're going to, the light's going to go on and you're going to be like, man, I can get my products out there. I just can't wait. Can't wait. Sellerlabs.com forward slash momentum. The other day I bought another domain. Yes, I bought another domain. It's almost like uh, I'm admitting guilt, but it's because I had an idea and it was something that was a pretty good idea. I think it's going to go pretty far. And so what do I do? I go to try godaddy.com forward slash momentum and save 30%. So Domains aren't very expensive. You get a few services. It adds up a little bit. And I usually buy three years. I usually buy privacy. By the way, I recommend that too. Buy that. You know, it's not that much money. But when you can save 30%, it makes it that much sweeter. And it makes it easier uh, when you're buying domains. And especially if you buy a bunch of domains. I am a domain collector. And so I do tend to do that. But that 30% makes it a lot easier. And I use GoDaddy because what I like is I can pop in an address I'm thinking. And it'll say, nope, nope try this version or try this extension and then boom there it is hey you better hurry before it goes away and they're right you know and so try godaddy.com forward slash momentum save 30 percent also i want to mention about grasshopper who was i just talking to somebody the other day and they were like oh yeah i use this company called grasshopper i'm like dude did you buy it through my link and save 30 percent hello no they missed that so save 30 percent it's try grasshopper.com forward slash momentum. No surprise there, but you're going to save 30%. And what the, the real cool part about that is they're using it for their private label business. And it gives them virtually a second phone on their current phone without having to get another number. They can make up a vanity number. They don't have to go and do all the grief and, and sign long contracts pretty easy stuff. And so if you're creating a brand that you want to identify, you want to look professional, you want to look like a real company, Grasshopper is a great tool. It's an app you put on your existing phone and boom, you now have a customer service department. You now have a sales department. You now have a manufacturing division. You could forward it to somebody else. You can have it go to different voicemails, different departments, and it's all included. So try grasshopper.com forward slash momentum. Save 30%. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 293, Kevin King. Now, Kevin is a fast talker, but a fast, I'd say a faster thinker. I don't think he can get his words out as fast as his mind is going and it's unbelievable and when he when he gets into a a, a segment he's going to go for a bit but you're going to hear like 14 
jewels in there and you're going to be like, wait, wait, what was that one? What was that one? Go back and listen to it again because, you know, just listen to that section over again because he drops them like every, every three or four minutes, he's dropping another idea, another idea, another idea, and they're all solid. And what I like about it too is they all build on each other. I think, you know, this, this concept that you have to reinvent the wheel, I don't think so. The other thing that we get to at the end, um, and you got to listen all the way to the end to get it, but He's a one-man show doing millions of dollars, uh, has a seasonal business in addition to his regular product business, but is really building it out. And I think that's one of the most solid uh, pieces of advice. You know, you've got a good product. Let's let's maximize the everything you can with it. Let's Let's really, you know, build it out as big as you can rather than just add another one and then do a mediocre job. Kevin's saying, no, 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 I'm not doing that. I'm going to build it out and get the most I can from it and make it something that I can really be proud of. I think it's great, solid advice. And man, he, like I said, he, he rattles so many of them. You're going to be like, whoa, I think you take notes because there's just so many great opportunities in this conversation. I am, uh, I, I do have links to all his stuff. Um, so, and it's right on the episode, um, episode 293. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest. Um, he's got a wealth of experience. Uh, has been on more podcasts than me, and I record my own podcast. Just a lot of experience and hopefully a lot of great advice. Kevin King, welcome, Kevin. Hi, everybody. Well, glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, you have, you've been around, dude. You've been around for a while. I, I didn't call you old. I, I didn't say old. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have been a while around for a while. I've been doing e-commerce for, uh, I guess, uh, over, uh, not e-commerce, sorry, entrepreneurship for pretty much all my life in e-commerce since before there was even a such thing as Google. I go back to the days of Alta Vista and, uh, and GoTo.com and some of those guys. We were out to dinner in Vegas uh, last couple weeks or month or what have you. The days run together. And I remember sitting there listening you know, as we were talking, and I thought to myself, man, he really has seen the whole gamut of the Internet. I mean, you, you made it. You were working in it when it was really, really difficult. Um, I mean, we kind of take it for granted now. You know, it's like I'm having a little software problem. This software is like the, you know, light years ahead of what you used to have to do to record anything, right? And uh, so you've yeah. been around. You've gotten to see all that. So, so go back, though, because you and I are probably about the same age. Um, that means, uh, if, well, we'll see how close it is. You didn't have computers in your elementary school or your middle school. Maybe, maybe when you were in high school just the last year or two? Yeah, that's that's about right. You're, you're spot on there. Uh, we had in, I think we had a little computer club in high school, and I, like a like one room that had like three computers in it or something, and you could go over there and, uh, you know, play with them or something. I even remember in college, you know, it was a big deal to, to go to this one part of the library in college that had like six or eight computers, and you could get on, I think it was called the Usenet or something. You could talk yeah, to somebody yeah, on yeah, the computer yeah, yeah. I so, somewhere else, and it was like so cool. You'd go in there and like say hello, and someone would answer you back. It was like the weirdest thing. Um, I, back when AOL was, you know, when AOL used to send out floppy disks, you know, in the mail, and you get like 10 of them a week to sign up for AOL, and that was the, the thing to go on, you know, if you wanted to look at the, the newspaper from, uh, you know, another city or something. That was like so cool. Uh, to be able to do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I go back, I remember when, like you're saying, even video, you know, we take it for granted now, full screen HD video. 
I remember it was postage stamp size, you know, and that was like a, a chore, you know, to get to get a postage stamp size video to play smoothly for a minute or something using, a, I think it was real audio or real player or whatever it was back yeah, in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I go back. Well, I think that's how Mark Cuban made his money, right? Didn't he? Uh, he did something like he was using software like that to record basketball games or college games or something like that and perfected it enough. And then somebody, I guess Yahoo bought it um, and he made his billions that way and he was like one of those cutting edge people who said wait there's got to be an easier way so what led you into entrepreneurship being you know around computers that age around uh, technology what was it that was attractive to you I've been an entrepreneur my entire life since I was probably three years old I mean I was the guy when I was a three-year-old four-year-old going to the to the supermarket with my mom and buying bubble gum for a penny, taking it back and setting up a little store with a little makeshift sign in the garage in the neighborhood and selling that bubble gum for two cents to the to the local ki- to the neighborhood kids. So uh, that led into, you know, mowing yards and painting street uh painting numbers on street curbs, you know, for house numbers to That's a good business. Newspaper. It is. It was a good business. It you still know, is a good business. But wait, well, where does that come from, though? I mean, what did you see somebody else? Nobody puts that in a three- or four-year-old's head. I mean, it just doesn't come natural. You must have seen somebody and said, huh, I can connect I don't know with that. I don't know what started that. Um, it, I, I really don't know where that entrepreneurship came from, but it's been in my my blood. I mean, my dad is the most, the most conservative person in the world. You know, he won't take a risk to, you know, for any reason. Uh, my mom's a little bit more of a risk taker, but uh, she, my family didn't have businesses. You know, my father worked for the government. My mom was a teacher, so I didn't have any of that. No grandparents uh, or anything like that. N- no grandparents. Nobody with money. Nobody that really owned businesses. I mean, I, I remember my my grandmother uh, in East Texas used to have a a cash uh, register, an old like cash register. It's like a one of these from like you know the turn of the century or something that you push the big buttons and you pull the little lever and it adds everything up and the till comes open. I remember as a young child just playing with that over and over, and I'm, you know, go, it's five, six years old, I go visit for, for Christmas or for Easter or something like that, and I'd, I'd grab that thing off her counter and just sit there and make up, make up stories in my head of like, okay, someone's coming into the store and it's just ten cents and thirteen cents, okay, that's twenty-three cents. I don't know why I did that, but that's. Well, that's that, a that's visionary. I, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, think about that, right? You know, uh, if your kids today would do that, your grandkids, right, at this age, would would start to get an interest, you'd be like, oh, my God, they've got it. They've got it. They're going to figure <laughs> it out, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I mean, I was always a creative child. I, I did so well that when I turned like 10 or 11 years old, uh, my parents, I actually, I was making too much money. They're like, you know, I don't remember what it was, 100 bucks, 200 bucks a week as a 10-year-old, just doing odds and ends and mowing yards and painting numbers on curbs and whatever, and selling stamps by mail, you know, old school direct mail where you'd run an ad in the back of a, a, a comic book or mm-hmm. something uh, and actually send off, send off for my my stamp collector kit, you know, and you get 10 stamps from different countries or, or whatever it may be. But I was doing so well that my parents said, look, you're making too much money here. So they forced me to save half of everything I earned. So every, every half of every dollar that came in, I had to give to them. And they put that into a fund that uh, ended up giving, that was my, my beer money in college. They ended up giving that back to me as an allowance uh, in college. You know, they, uh, so I didn't have to work during college and focus on, on school. Did you carry that forward or no? 
The answer is no. I, I know the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, I don't have children. So, so no, I but I meant just, yet. I mean, you personally, when you, when you got out of their control, did you save 50% of your income? No, I don't. No way. <laughs> no, that's one of my weaknesses, actually, is, you know, I'm very good at generating money. I'm very creative and very, I can generate, you know, all the I, I never worry, I, and I've never really lived on a budget. You know, my parents always tried to teach me that, but because I could always generate money, I never worried about anything. And even to this day, that's that's my weakness in business is the financial side of actually putting money away. I live in the now, and I live for the moment, and so I I love I can spend it as fast as it comes in. And so I'm all, and I I never worry. I never lose sleep at night. I'm never like, oh shit, you know, how am I how am I going to pay? You know, I got a five thousand dollar bill coming in three weeks to pay for whatever it may be. How am I going to pay for it? I always figure it out. And so I've never. Uh, that's that's a weakness for me uh, in business is is the financial side. So do you uh, bring it? I think that you, may go back to as a child, being just constantly being able to make money all the time. Uh, even though my parents tried to teach me. And took half of it away. I was like, "Well, you take it half of it away. I'll just make more." Do you so, think you would have been good in sales? I mean, like as a car salesman or one of those kind of uh, people, or real estate or something. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah, I actually at one point got a real estate license, but never pursued it uh, because it couldn't. I couldn't scale it uh, the way I wanted. <laughs> you can scale e-commerce. So, what was your first official e-commerce business? First official e-commerce business. Yeah, I mean, uh, were you selling on eBay? Were you selling? Well, I did, yeah, I was selling some stuff on eBay. I mean, I did. I go back to direct marketing. So before e-commerce, I, I kind of uh, the evolution is I started with direct mail. So I don't know what actually, uh, you know, go and buy a uh, buy a, a lot of uh, personal defense. You know, like ta- uh, not not tasers, but like uh, the little pepper sprays uh, for women. And I would take a put a put a little ad in the you know the value pack, the little envelope that would come in the mail with coupons from the local pizza place and everybody else and do direct commerce that way. When I was in college, um, I was uh, I wanted to learn how to bartend. So I was like, how, how you know, I want to learn how to bartend. So I took a little night class in college on how to bartend. But I, <clears throat> when you do that, it's not the real alcohol. It's, you know, it's like fake alcohol. Uh, just bottles of water, basically, and how to mix everything. So I was like, I want to know what everything tastes like. So I went out and bought, you know, a whole bar back, you know, of 20 or 30 different types of liquors. And of course, my apartment became the hot spot for everybody to come to <laughs> because I had I had all the liquor, and I actually got a little bar, you know, went to one of these rental places and rented like one of those little bars you can put in your house. And it got to be too much where I was I was footing the bill for everybody and I was like, the heck with this, you know, I, I need to I need people to pay. So I actually this is back on the Apple II computer, I think it was, two C two two one of the Apple twos. I wrote a little code, little code in the basic computing language on basically it was a bartending program with recipes and keeping tabs. So as as people would come into the apartment, you know, we were we were partying quite a bit uh, back in college, and I say, hey, you want you want a uh, Bloody Mary? Okay, it's you know you got to pay me fifty it's fifty cents. Well, I don't got the money right now, so it goes on their tab. So I wrote this little program uh, <laughs> to to do that with recipes and everything, and then I ended up saying, I could sell this. So I ran ads in the back of like I think it was like Computer World or I can't remember PC Magazine or whatever it was the magazine back in the mid '80s. Uh, and and just buy my little uh, software system on floppy disk, you know, to 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 run your own little bar or run your own little recipes or whatever. And you know, I, I sold a handful of them, went went a lot, but that was a good learning experience. And that just kind of evolved into there into other direct marketing where I did a something similar to the Sharper Image, where Sharper Image has all the light, latest, coolest gadgets for mostly for men. 
I did something in college called the College Lifestyle Company, and that was a, a catalog, a full-color catalog of all kinds of products for, for the dorm room, everything from dorm refrigerators to decorations to party supplies to whatever. And that just kind of evolved from there and into trading cards, into calendars. And uh, when the Internet came around uh, uh, in about, when was it, about 1995, I think, I, 94 or 95, I think I sent my first email um, somewhere around in, in there. And I was like, holy cow, you know, this is direct mail on steroids. You know, yeah. you can reach everybody for a fraction of the cost. And I was like, so my focus switched to that. But even to this day, you know, um, 20, 20 some odd years later, um, I still have to do direct mail. I have a calendar business, which is it's a seasonal business that I do from October to January of every year. And I do have an online component, but also have an offline component where I actually still print a, brochure, a color brochure with the covers of all these calendars, about 150 different calendars. Uh, and I actually mail that, physically mail that to my customers. And I still have half of my business comes with people sending checks and money orders in the mail. Mm-hmm. And I kinda, it's kind of cool because it's it's kind of like Christmas. You know, you, you when you're selling e-commerce online, you're like, okay, let me check my Stripe account. Let me check my PayPal. Okay, that's cool. I got X yeah, amount you're, of dollars. You're far away from it, right? It's just yeah. a, it's a transaction. Exactly, but it's kind of cool, you know. And even to this day, I still like to go to the post office every day from October to January, and see like how big is how, what's in the mailbox, you know? There's there's six envelopes today, or there are 20 envelopes today, and I'm like okay, you know, let's let's open these up, and is this one got a five dollar check, or does it have a two hundred dollar check? You know, it's kind of it's kind of cool. It's just I don't know. I, it's no, it's I get it. Cool to, I mean, to me, what you're describing, I mean, where I was originally going was that foundation that you built with direct mail, you know marries perfectly with e-commerce, right? It's it's that, you know, find the audience, test, 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 adjust, test, boom, make a sale, right? Exactly. But what you're doing here with this catalog keeps you in the game. So is that an industry that's just not caught up? Is it because, I mean, when you look at the no, profile... I, no, I do a I do a lot online. No, I, I get mean, that. But I mean, who's the profile of your buyers? Are they are they retail? Are you selling to retailers or are you selling to individuals through the catalog? No, these are cal- these the the it's through the catalog. The calendars feature pretty women. So it's everything from 1940s pinups to Marilyn Monroe to the latest Playboy centerfolds to girls in bikinis, Sports Illustrated. So it's a very niche audience. It's guys who collect calendars. And so I actually mm-hmm. have guys that some guy these are individual customers, not 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 retailers. Uh, I have a, a mailing list of probably about six thousand guys that are regular customers. You know, not, not all of them order every year, but a, a, a significant amount of them do. And some of them order one calendar to hang in the garage. Others take the the brochure to the job site and you know pass it around. Everybody orders a calendar. One guy sends in a money order, a check. Right. Others are collectors that they buy two of everything, uh, just one to open, one, one to, to keep open, in the plastic. Well, let me ask you this. So how did you build the 6,000 names? Was this uh, back from the days where you had it in the back of a catalog or, I mean, in the back of a uh, magazine? And then that was your basis, and then from there it's evolved? Well, what started out is I was doing trading cards, like like baseball cards. Mm -hmm. But back in the early 90s, baseball cards with pictures of pretty girls was a a big fad. It's almost Mm -hmm. almost like, uh, you know, uh, Beanie Babies or something like that back there were big fads. And putting pictures of, of pretty girls on baseball cards and coming up with collections, whether it was a Playboy girls or bikini models or Sports Illustrated models or uh, old pinups or whatever became a big business. So I, I got into that. And then there was all these other companies that were doing the same thing, probably 50 different people. And most of these people were putting little registration cards in their in their packages. You know, you buy a pack of 10 of them or whatever, and there's a little car, bounce back card, reg, 
product insert, register for our newsletter. Register, oh, it wasn't a newsletter. Yeah, register to just get and, and people would fill those out. Keep and mail up those on in. the biggest, uh, latest yeah. uh, developments. New, you know. New. So I reached I reached out to all the companies, and most of them weren't doing anything. You know, these cards were coming in the mail, and they're just sticking them in a shoebox. And I was like, that's stupid. So I reached out to them. I said, hey, listen, you know, I will get those all typed in for you and give you back a floppy disk you know with all those names neatly typed if you just let me use it one time one time to, to mail out to and most of them said yeah heck yeah here you go and so i got boxes of these cards oh, in the mail genius and i built a mailing list from that and then I, I went into the list rental business where you can still do this today where you can actually go out and you can you can rent names you mm-hmm. can actually you know i would go to uh you know different companies that would have something similar you know like bud cake the Bud K uh, catalog, for example, they they sell lots of knives and cigars and that type of thing. Well, that's that kind of is my was my audience. So I would go to them and say, Hey, I want to rent your mailing list. Give me a I do a test of five thousand names. And these these would come on big like eight track tapes or something. Not eight track mm-hmm. tapes, but big like wheels. And I had to take them down somewhere and get the labels. You know, this is <laughs> this is like ancient stuff compared to what you can do today. Um, and I would mail out a test of my catalog and see see if the response rate was good enough and if so then I go back to them and say hey I want I want more names or I do exchanges sometimes it's kind of like Facebook does this now on steroids I mean Facebook where you can the, the laser like targeting you can do with Facebook ads today is just amazing compared to where it was in the past it just boggles my mind how much what you can do and how how you can overlay and really do stuff that in an instant uh within you know within a few minutes that used to take days or weeks to do in the, in the old days. So I, I built the list doing that. And so after the trading cards, it's a natural progression to calendars. And so the trading card business kind of started to die down a little bit. It was a fad for a couple of years. And I was like, what's something that's a, I want something that's a recurring revenue source. Well, calendars are a recurring revenue source. You got to buy new, new one every year, right? Every new year. New. So about 94, 95, somewhere around in there, I, I said, let me reach out to all the calendar uh, makers and let me just become a distributor for them. And so some of them said yes, and then I was dealing with every everybody anybody I could find that would do calendars and uh, and buying them wholesale basically for them. And then I started making some of my own overseas. So so you private doing, label? Yeah, basically private label, doing stuff over in China, and you know so all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, and then I would go out and and just mail that out every year, you know, in, in August and do do a follow up, you know, instead of sending an email. And I did have a website, but in the beginning it was very little sales, and I did do some online stuff. I was able to get on Howard Stern a few times. Um, with with some of that, I built a, a, a daily newsletter site, uh, which is kind of like a daily news and joke site on the internet. Where from like I think I ran this from like '98 to about 2002. With the goal to develop customers, is that what yeah, the, the goal, goal is? Yeah, the goal was it was a it was a daily. It's called the photo of the day. So every day you would this we developed a web page. It would have a picture of a pretty girl. It would have a joke of the day. It would have latest news. It would have a little game. Anything that guys would guys would like. Um, and it was I would send out a daily email to say, here here's the top five stories of the day. Uh, here's the you know the uh, click here to see the joke. Click here to see the photos. And so that would the email would would be the pull that would the the trigger that would pull them back every day. And I could put ads in the email. And then ads on the site, and we developed that into about two hundred fifty thousand people a day. We were emailing, no and this is be- this is before spam. Um, oh yeah, you know, so so stuff so actually got through. <laughs> actually got through, and so we was able to build that into a membership site. Uh, we got featured on Howard Stern a few times, and we they blow up our servers every. T- this is before Howard Stern was satellite; he was still on a 
uh, regular radio and just it would blow up. I mean, the server would constantly restarting it every two minutes, you know, when when we'd be on Howard Stern. Uh, but we got a lot that way. I worked out deals with uh, the guy from uh, there's a site called Bomis, B-O-M-I-S dot com. And there was a guy that that you might have heard of that actually ran that site. And we I partnered with him to trade traffic. Well, I remember back in like ninety nine or two thousand, somewhere in that time frame. I, I, there was two guys running it, and one of them said, "Hey, you know, uh, it's just going to be me now. The other guy's going off; to, he's going to do his own thing." And and I was like, oh, "Okay, no problem." And uh, you know, a few years later, I see what that what that that thing was, and it's uh, Jimmy Wales uh, or uh, that started a Wikipedia. Oh, wow. So before that, he has a site called Bomas, B-O-M-I-S. Wow, uh, well, that's pretty cool. I, I have an email from like two thousand. Uh, 2002 or 2003, I think it is. That I just it was from this this site called some some dude at uh at something called MySpace. I'm like, what the, what the heck is <laughs> what's MySpace? What was MySpace? I ignored the email. I came in and said, hey, we'd love to do something. You're doing this photo of the day and news thing, and we'd love to do something with you, um, partner up with you, and we're starting this thing called MySpace. I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't have time for you, and I just blew it off, and I just kept it in like a, a file on my emails or something, an email folder. And like a few years later, I was just looking through, going through their clean stuff out, and like, holy crap, man, <laughs> what an opportunity I missed right there. Now MySpace is nothing now, but before but Facebook, was, they were right. the rage. Right. Um, so yeah. Well, let me ask you this: because... Speaking of Mark Cuban, he reached out to us back when he started HD.net. Yeah. He, he needed content, and he and what drives content on these new platforms a lot of times is bikini girl type of stuff. So he right. was looking for sports H, and everything be perfect. H, HD type of stuff back then, you know. So it's crazy. Well, you're describing a lot of stuff. I mean, so let's just let's just unpack a couple things there because one of the things that seems relevant to today is building an audience. You were you were scraping together an audience any which way. You're talking about swapping lists, mean, meaning that I sell glasses and you sell ice cube makers or ice cube forms and so that's a natural you know so my customers are probably your customers your customers are probably my customers right so thinking about today right right now we're all spoiled because we use amazon's customers right we don't own them we don't do anything but there is a lot of people trying to develop their own customer base, their own customer list, like you said, bounce back cards or anything that you're putting in in with that product that you're allowed to give a warranty or whatever it is. So you have control of that customer. Um, it's, it's back, isn't it? I mean, you really do have to get clever and creative if you really want to create a database of customers, correct? You do, and it's harder now. Back, back then, it was easier to get them to be loyal to you because there was less options and less yeah. less clutter. Now... There's so many different. It's so quick for them. You know, back in the days of, of catalogs, I could send out a catalog and it had you know 140 different uh, pinup calendars in it. They could go down to their local Barnes and Noble or you know the bookstore that used to exist, uh, B Dalton or whatever in the mall, and they might okay. see five of them there or ten of them there. And so like I was the choice. You know, unless somebody else had that name and sent them a catalog, there was no other option. I owned them. But now. They can just with a click of a couple of mouses, mouse clicks and buttons, they can find everything they want. So it's it's much more competitive and much harder to build that loyal customer base. And and you speaking of Amazon, you know, I, I do sell. I have five brands right now that I sell on Amazon in five different categories and do you know seven figures a year uh, on Amazon. But that's you're sitting uh, even though it's Amazon's customer, most sellers on Amazon don't realize the gold mine they're sitting on. People always mm -hmm. come to me and say, hey. 
I'm going to start a Shopify site. You know, I don't, I don't like selling to Amazon. They take too much money. Uh, I can make more if I, you know, drive my own traffic from Facebook or because uh, that's easy, that's, right? That's just simple to do. But, right? but it's really not. It takes a lot more money to do that. Even though Amazon may charge you, you know, a higher percentage by the time you add up all their fees. You know, it's roughly thirty percent or so, uh, depending on your price price point, but approximately thirty percent or so. That could be a lot for some people, but I'm like, look, there's no better freaking way to source new customers. I mean, I do this with my calendars now. I do it with my calendars now. I have, I sell my calendars on Amazon, uh, and I will sell, I will put a bounce back card in the calendars, and I'll, and it'll say, hey, congratulations, you've won a free calendar. Just remit six dollars shipping and handling. Either go to this web address or send in a check or money order, and. What I'm doing with that is I'm capturing those customers and making them mine. They're doing business now with me, and I use the what I send them for a free calendar is my excess stock because calendars yeah. are like selling Genius. milk. Selling milk, they go, they go they go bad in January. They're worth you know to twenty dollar calendars now worth five dollars. So I've got this ex, if I've overbought or uh, underestimated or whatever, I, I just get rid of my excess stock and I got new customers coming in. And I do it also if I have extra calendars, you know, say I have an extra Sports Illustrated calendar, I will go on there and just put it at cost, you know, and, and just sell them just to get that lead. And that's one way to do it. But another way is say you are doing FBA with Amazon, uh, fulfilled by Amazon, letting Amazon ship everything. You're sitting on a gold mine of customer data. Now, those customers aren't yours necessarily, they didn't come to you. But by God, you should be downloading that data, either using software tools or doing it manually, importing that over to Facebook and letting Facebook create lookalike audiences on it. There's no better way to get more customers. Even if you have your own website, if your goal is not really to sell on Amazon, you're, I think you're making a major mistake if you don't sell on Amazon. Start on Amazon. Let their, leverage their traffic and what they have. Sell 1,000 or so, 500 or 1,000 of whatever your, your widgets or whatever you're selling. Take that data that Amazon's gotten, download that customer data because they give you the name, right. address, state, state, zip. Bring that over to Facebook, create lookalike audiences on Facebook, add a couple more criteria, and then drive those people to your Shopify store wh where you can actually get, uh, get, get the best uh, uh, you know, margins and stuff. And that's, that's kind of like the old days of direct mail testing and swapping and whatever. You can leverage that so much, and I, I think maybe less than 1% of the people even do that. It's, it's, it boggles my mind. It blows me away because what you're describing, again, is you're back doing your direct mail. I mean, it really is that same concept, that foundation. It really hasn't changed, right? You you just have to be more clever. So I don't know that most people understand what you're talking about with the lookalike address, right? So Or lookalike uh, profile, right? So sure, you're saying, hey, that. basically, yeah, I mean, go deeper on that because I don't think most people understand that because you don't want to break terms of service and you're not breaking terms of service because you're not going to market to their customers. You're going to market to somebody that's similar profile that's what you're going to do so i've bought let's say let's so on amazon some a customer comes to amazon he buy let's say you're selling a uh, a dog treat dog treats he comes and he buys your dog treat your your bully sticks let's just say on on amazon and he, he's bought it and he's happy he got the product everything's good after you get about all you need is about 100 customers on amazon to create a lookalike audience um on facebook i i recommend you get to a thousand it's going to be a, a better audience but here's how the process works so you, t you download your data from Amazon. So you, you'll go into your business reports on, on Seller Central. And you'll actually download. There's a place there where you can download your customer orders. and it'll, it'll Or you can use third-party tools that do this too. And you download that data, and it's going to give you – it will not give you their email address. It will not give you their phone number. Uh, it will give you like an Amazon-encoded email address, but not their real email address. So you take that, that name, uh, the first name, their last name, and their city, state, and zip. 
And you can, that's all you need. Now, some people will take an extra step and they will actually, you can use services that will do what's called an email append or a phone append. So you can give them this person's name and their city, state, and zip. And then you can, there's services that will try to match up and find mm -hmm. their real email address or their real phone number. That's an extra expense and it can, it can help you, but it's not necessary in the beginning. Maybe you want to do that a little bit later on, but you don't have to start there. So you take this data that of these thousand people that have bought, or 500, or whatever the number is. The, the more, the better. Uh, let's say it's a thousand. You take these thousand customers off of Amazon. You go over to your Facebook account, and you have to have a, a business account at Facebook. So it's business.facebook.com. You can't do this with your personal account. It's free to have a business account, so it doesn't cost you anything. But you, you're going to have. You're going to then import those into Facebook in what's called a custom audience. It's a, it's a, a method, and you can Google this, and there's step-by-step -step processes of how to do that. Just Google Facebook, how to create a Facebook custom audience, and you'll, you'll get somebody, well, you'll find a place that'll show you step-by-step -step how to do it. And you import all these thousand customers into Facebook. And then you could market to those people, but like you said, that's technically against the terms of service of Amazon, because you're then marketing to those people. A lot of people do it anyway. Um, but <clears throat> because it's hard to trace, but technically, you know, if you want to go well, by the let's letter, let's stay within terms of service. Yeah, we can't do that. The, the letter of the law, then it's it's t you don't want to do that. But then what you can do is Facebook has uh, something like a. 212,000 data points on everybody that uses Facebook. I, I just saw an article the other day. Someone oh downloaded downloaded their Facebook. No, it was Google. Actually, Google downloaded what the history that Google has on is 5.6 uh, gigabytes of history that they had on on this person. Everything they searched for, every image they've ever looked for, every email, everything. Facebook is similar. So they have like 200. It's it's a ridiculous number. I think it's 212,000, 200,000 data points, like all these data points. So then what you tell Facebook is you say, hey, I've got these thousand people here that have bought my bully stick dog treats that I've just created this custom audience on. I would like you to tell me, find, go find more people just like them. And so Facebook will say, no problem. How many would you like? And, you, and typically the mo the, you start with like a 1% of the U.S., which is about 2 million people. That's where most people start. So you say, I want a 1% look-alike audience. So go find the, the closest 1% of the U.S. population that matches these 1,000 people. You know, So Facebook's going to look at your 1,000 people that bought on Amazon. They're going to say, okay, these people all drive Subaru Outbacks. They all eat at this restaurant. They all buy dog things. They all have dachshunds. They all do this. They're mostly 22 years old and uh, or, they're, or 42 years old and have two kids. They're, whatever the number – whatever the thing is, they will go out and then match – and find uh, um, two million other customers that most closely match those thousand, and then you can take those two thousand, and you can do some overlays on them. You can say, okay, out of these two thousand, I want to make sure that they're Amazon people. So I'm going to add a filter on Facebook that says they've been to Amazon.com or they like Amazon.com. I'm selling dog treats, so I want to also make sure that they subscribe or to Pet Age magazine or Dog Breeder magazine or these different magazines because someone that subscribes to a magazine is pretty serious about their pet, more so than the person that doesn't. Those are the more serious people that are probably going to spend more money. And so you, you put all these overlays on that two million, and maybe your two million comes down to, let's say, half a million people by the time you say – Filter out the people that don't subscribe to pet magazines that have never bought from uh, the doctor, uh, you know, PetSmart catalog or whatever. You can do all kinds. It's amazing what you can do. Uh, and then you have 500,000 people that are highly, highly, highly likely to be interested in what you're selling. And so then you run ads to those people, either video ads or, or still ads or, or whatever it may be. And it's, it's amazing how, how well you can zero in and target people. Uh, and, and people just aren't doing it. it it's the, the big brands know it and they're doing it. 
but the average guy that's an entrepreneur just doesn't realize the opportunity they're sitting on uh, with that data. And even if you're, you know, a local, uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not selling e-commerce, say you're, you have a local pet, sh- you know, local pet store, and people are dropping uh, business cards in the in the fishbowl to to win a free uh, dog bath or whatever. Take that data, put it digitally, and put it up on Facebook, and then target those people. Uh, you know, and do lookalikes on those in your local zip code. You can say, I want everybody that's you know within a 10 mile radius of my store, and target them. Uh, it's it's amazing what you can do. And it's so underutilized, um, and and it's that. So that's basically what a lookalike audience does, and that's how you can leverage what you have. And you can do the same thing if you're not selling on Amazon. If you're selling on Shopify or or one of the others, you can take your data from there and do the same thing. Well, you so really you have no choice with those because it's very difficult to to gain traffic. So you really do have to be, you know. I guess that's what I'm sitting here listening to you. I'm back to you, way back in direct mail, being clever and swapping and borrowing and getting a cards, doing anything you can to gain that customer information. It's really what you're doing in this scenario. The difference is now somebody else has spent fortune to collect all that information. I mean, 212,000 points of data on someone so they can really slice it down. Um, it's genius, Kevin. I mean, it really is. It really makes a lot of sense. And you're not violating terms of service by doing that. So that makes perfect sense to me. Um, so you mentioned big brands are doing it. Are they catching up? You think? The, big, the big brands um, on Facebook, yeah, some of the big agencies and stuff kind of know what they're doing. But as far as like Amazon, no, the big brands are still way behind. The big brands, uh, for the most part, as far as Amazon goes, are they're, they're lost in the dark. They're mm-hmm. hiring a, you know, their their idea of a, a face uh, Amazon person as you know a college and a graduate that's you know go take a take one of these courses and and do our Amazon account and and a lot of them are starting to wake up and realize that hey Amazon you know it's not this stepchild anymore it's actually uh, con- contribute a lot to our business and if we actually work at this like these like entrepreneurs do that are doing the FBA model and the private label model. Uh, we actually, instead of just throwing our catalog listing up there and hoping for the best or, or listening to what someone inside Amazon is telling us to do, um, if we do this, treat this as an entrepreneur endeavor, we can dramatically increase our sales. I mean, there's tools out there, even as a third party. I mean, the tools have come a long, long way in the last year. You know, I've been doing the F, F, I've been selling on Amazon for 20 years, but as an FBA third party private label seller, about three, uh, almost three years now. But the tools, just in those three years, it's night and day difference. I mean, you can get real Amazon uh, search volume now on, from some of the tools. You can bring in your listing on Amazon and overnight com- double your sales, just overnight double By your sales. By paying attention. By paying attention and, mag- and optimizing your listing with the right keywords and, and just there's tools that will tell you what you're missing and what you're doing. And it's, it's crazy. And, and there's a lot of reverse engineering you got to do, uh, which, you know, some people – it's math. I mean, it's 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 all math. Well, it, are we back to? I mean, again, we're going backwards in in your career. We're going back to that point of figuring out how to leverage what you already have. You're not spending a lot of time bringing new products to market, are you, Kevin? No, I don't. No, I don't spend a lot of time bringing new products to market. No. Your goal is to maximize the products that you already have. 
I think right. that's a big that's a big cultural shift because for a while there you couldn't. I mean, how many people brought those damn barbecue gloves, right? Their silicone spatulas and all that kind of jazz, right? Everybody was the answer was to bring new products, bring new products, bring new products. It's not necessarily the answer is once you have a product, it's really leveraging it to its fullest capacity. And what you're describing, it's significant. I mean, this is that's where you spend your time. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, they just keep adding products on Amazon. You know, I talk to sellers, they're doing seven figures a year and they're like, yeah, I've got 100 or 150 SKUs or 200 or some guys, you know, 50,000 SKUs. Or I met one guy one time that has millions of SKUs for me. And they always say, how many of you got, Kevin? You're doing seven figures a year. What do you, I say, I got 15, you know, let me, and I haven't maximized those yet. In the U.S., forget, never mind, Canada. Yeah, but but Europe, is, aren't there, else. aren't there 50 people a month? Drop in the same products you are in private label. No, I've ne- I've been on Amazon for two, uh, you know, like I said, almost three years. I've never had a hijacker. You know, a hijacker is where you have a Chinese seller or you have someone else that's you know doing your barbecue gloves that comes onto your listing and tries to steal some of your hard but, work. Or they're let's just say they're doing the same thing. They're creating one that looks just like it next to yours. No, I differentiate. So okay. that's that's, that's the one key. Of, that's again, the key. you're working the- on it again. Yeah, I, I differentiate. I don't just throw my label in a plastic bag. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Let's go back to the bully sticks example. I I sell bully sticks. One of my products is bully sticks. I don't know what that uh, is. Bully sticks are dog treats. They're big, long, like meat sticks that dogs just okay. just love. And there's a, a company out of Virginia that just uh, cleans up selling bully sticks. I mean, they sell millions and millions of dollars of them. It's a, a very popular dog treat. Most people on Amazon, you know, if you do the search volume, it tells you, you know, it's 40, 50, 60,000 exact searches a month and all these long tails. So it's a good little volume. So a lot of people have gotten into it. They've, they've punched it into one of the tools, the Jungle Scouts or whatever, and it comes up. So what they do is what the same thing as everybody else. They go and typically these are sold about 20 or 30 sticks in a plastic bag. So they just find a manufacturer and they stick their name on it, uh, to stick their label on it and, and launch it. And maybe their price is a little different, a little lower, a little higher. They try well, to. That's the only way they can do anything different, they, right? They, Period. That, that's all they can do. That's not what I did. I went and I read the reviews of all the top sellers, and I looked for all the negative reviews, what people were saying. The number one thing is they want American sticks, so they don't want stuff from Brazil or anywhere else. They want these American beef, you know. Uh, so I, I said that. Another thing is that a lot of people are saying these things stink. I mean, bully sticks are a part come from a part of the cow that doesn't smell too good and so these things stink and and a lot of the cheaper ones you, you take them out and you know it smells like the bathroom or something in your house and people are like oh my god as soon as the dog starts chewing it the dogs love them but it stinks up the place and some of them stay in the carpet or if the dog takes it onto the couch so people are complaining about that so what i did is i called around to some of the top uh, bully stick guys here in the u.s i knew i wanted u.s and i said hey who's who's who does the best job out there who and they said everything pointed to this one guy up in the East Coast, up in uh, up in New Hampshire uh, area. And and so I called him and he said, yeah, you know what? My stuff doesn't stink. Mine are, are bigger and thicker than the average person. Um, I'm a classically trained French chef, so I put this put them through this cooking process with my in my factory. And so I said, okay, there's my differentiation. So what I did is said, okay, I'm going to take three of his his. bigger sticks, bigger, thicker, juicier sticks, instead of 30 in a plastic bag. I'm not going to put mine in a plastic bag. I'm going to go make these look premium. I'm going to go out and get a cigar box, have a a cigar type of box made. I'm going to put three bully sticks in a cigar box instead of 30. These other guys are selling their 30 sticks for anywhere from $25 to $35. They're all competing on price and positioning. I'm going to put mine at $49.95. Three sticks. Three sticks. Three sticks. 
for forty nine ninety five in a cigar type box versus thirty sticks for between twenty five and thirty five dollars. Right, hold up there. Mine a don't stink. Mine are bigger, so I now market it. I create a listing on Amazon with with pictures, uh, and I had cartoons made. So some of my images on Amazon were actually like before and after cartoons. So one of the cartoons was like a bunch of dogs in a car, and they're driving through a, what looks like a McDonald's, and they're ordering like cheap, cheap, you know, fast food type of bully sticks. And I said, uh... don't, don't feed your dog this. And I had another cartoon made and one of my other images that looks like it's a, a dog sitting in a, a, in a nice steakhouse, and they're all got their little t- bow ties on. They're all sitting at the table, you know, holding a steak knife in their paw and a fork in the other hand, and they're all like proper and i was like which would you feed your dog do you, do you care about your dog do you want to give him fast food or do you want to give him the best and so i positioned it not only with the packaging and uh, and the type of product and i fixed the customer complaints but I also i also positioned it and framed it in the customer's mind now there's a lot of people that would buy well say 40 49 for three sticks are you freaking crazy and there's no way i'm giving you that money this is a total ripoff but i have other customers that have bought for me 47 times over and over and over they want to give their dog the best and okay so pull back a second now, wait hold product, on a second there my product is never going to be the the best seller, right right but i make more money well that, that's where i want to go because you just talked about differentiating yourself right and let's just go through that again so the 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 smell was an issue so you took away that right the packaging sounds like you were trying to say this is premium period right that's why you went to cigar box so you address that saying hey if you love your dog you're going to buy mine because mine are the best and you made it in the usa so you don't have to worry about things so by fixing that you were able to take a slice of the market and keep a slice of the market exactly so how do you – I mean are you taking that same approach for every product you bring to market? I mean that's, that sounds cool like with Bowie sticks. But give me another product, uh, my, my glass. I'm looking at my glass of water right here. What, what could you do to a glass? Because I think that's the lesson. What you're describing is – I mean you can take that glass and you can make okay. that glass into it. It's, it's something for a special occasion. It's, it's, it's a premium glass to give – as an anniversary gift or a christening gift or a wedding gift or, or something where you can c- capture a bunch of different keyword options and different search volumes that will all come into a glass. I mean, when I put a product up on Amazon, I like to have a lot of doors. I don't like everybody coming through the front door. I want people coming through the side door, through the back window, crawling through the attic. So by taking a glass, I would try to find five or ten different markets, you know, different doors they can come in, which is anniversaries, weddings, gifts, Mother's Day, whatever. And I would create some sort of premium, cool, like collector's glass, something that when you give this to mom for Mother's Day, she's like, oh my God, this is the special glass that Kevin gave me last year for Mother's Day. You know, I I drink my nicest cognac from this, or I drink my whatever. It it has some sort of meaning. So you you can position it that way. So it's not just another everyday glass that goes in the dishwasher. So you can do that with every product is what you're saying. And here's a salesman in you. You said that you could have been a salesman. There it is right there. Your ability to see this glass and not see it as a glass, you see it as an occasion glass. So, you know, tell me about your case. Oh, yeah, this is going to be great for your weddings. This is going to be great for... That's that salesman. So that's a perspective issue. Right. right? I, that's what you have to have, is you have to change your perspective. I think this is really solid advice. Don't keep launching products. Maximize the product. When, when do you think you'll get your 15 to full capacity? Um... 
probably there's always opportunity for right. for improvement. Um, so I don't know that there's ever like okay, I've done it, and let me let me kick back with a Corona on the beach. Um, I don't think that's as soon as I maximize it here, it's time to do it all over again in Europe because the sales in Europe, you know, you can double your business just by going to Europe with the right product. Uh, that's a lot of people that are selling in the U.S. Uh, space don't even realize. You know, I know guys that don't sell in the U.S. You know, a 23 year old kid that's doing 12 million dollars a year dropped out of Dartmouth and he's selling just in Europe, uh, and that's it. Um, and it, so there's major opportunity there. So that's the beauty about Amazon is once you master the U.S., it is the biggest one. Take that skill set and that knowledge, and it transfers to to Europe, to Japan, to other places, and you can just grow exponentially. You're never going. How much work is it to take that? So that, that's a good example again. So those 15 products, how difficult is it? Or let's use your dog treats. How difficult is that to get that translated to go over to France or whatever? I mean, obviously there's there's a language issue, there's packaging and stuff like that. But generally speaking, it's not that bad, is it? No, it's not that bad. I mean, some treats and makeup stuff, there's some regulations you got to sure. do like um, you know, it's a few things like that, but no, it, it's it's not that bad. And a lot of times, you know, American-made is sells well. You know, in other, I mean, we always think here like it's French cuisine or this is German engineering uh, or whatever. But the same goes for the other way. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's uh, American or made in America has a, a high perceived value, much higher perceived value uh, overseas than it does here. You know, Hershey's bars, for example, or remember uh, uh, Levi's jeans back in the day when people were Japan, yeah fortune for them, you know, in Russia and stuff. And so it, it, so you can, you can leverage that different ways. You got to think of it a little bit differently. You got to get everything in, uh, translated and some products won't go, you know, there, there are some things that, you know, Americans are going to buy that Europeans are just like, what the heck is that? I'm not, you know, it's not going to sell the same, but in the most, in most cases, it's going to sell just as well with less competition and you can differentiate the same. I mean, people love their pets over in Europe too. And so they're, they're willing, some, a certain number of the people are willing to spend. And like I was saying earlier, I'm selling at $49.95. I'm never going to have a high – people focus too much on BSR in my opinion when they're selling on Amazon. They're always worried, what's my bestseller rank, my BSR? I don't really care what my BSR is. Um, and I, I don't even follow it. I don't track BSR. Um, I, I track dollars, and so if I have a BSR of six thousand, you know, my my bully sticks at forty nine ninety five. I pay about twenty bucks. You know, it's a little bit higher price, all in for them. Um, I, actually, about eighteen bucks. In, but if I bought the thirty dollar ones, you know, I'd probably be in them about ten to twelve bucks. So the margins, uh, and I might sell more of those, uh, unit quantity wise, and I'll sell less of my more expensive ones. But at the end of the day, I'm not having to fight. All these other people fight off people, constantly changing my price. I'm, I have my the market, the submarket to myself, uh, and I'm making more money than the guys who are probably selling three or four times as much as me that have a 1,000 BSR, and here I am with a 7,000 or 8,000 BSR. Because you're not going after price, and so therefore you're able to work on your business. You're not right. distracted by that, you know. Oh my mark! No, you're working on your business, and you're going to. Ma- oh, dude, love it. Okay, so I want to pull back for a second because you gave a tremendous amount of information, but I hope people hear it. So what Kevin's saying again is you don't necessarily have to go out and keep adding products and keep adding products and keep adding variations. You have to maximize what you have. You have to think about it differently from a new perspective. What's your advice for people to get that perspective? What if they don't have it? You know, there's some people who just don't have it. I'm going to give you one – before I answer that question, I'm going to give you one more example real quick, if I may, on sure. maximizing what you have. It kind of wraps all this together a little bit. 
back when I was doing the trading cards and the, the calendars and stuff, we were, to, you know, when I started private labeling those, we would actually, I was a partner with a photographer and we would go out and do some of our own photo shoots. Well, I would actually leverage that asset uh, of, of that digital asset into the trading cards and the calendars. And then that eventually evolved into websites uh, where people would pay memberships to, 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 to access the stuff or the joke of the day or whatever. And then when that market started kind of dying off because there's so much stuff for free on the internet, um, you know, you could go see what, see any kind of girl in a bikini you want or Victoria's Secret came online. There's no need to, you know, for that. It started dying off. I was like, how can I still leverage this asset? And 2007, I decided I wanted to travel for a year. I turned 40 years old. And I was like, I'm going to spend the next year. I'm going to spend two weeks of the year in the office in Texas and two weeks on the road. And I just want – I have a little bucket list. And I want to go travel. So I picked some places and, and decided that's what I'm going to do. And that one year turned into seven years. I did that for mm-hmm. seven years, um, sometimes by myself, sometimes with friends or family. But what enabled me to do that was I leveraged that asset again because the the market was dying of people paying for this kind of stuff online. I still had the calendar business that and it's still to have it today. It's still going strong, um, but that's seasonal. So I was like, how can I make money in the, the meantime and live and create this lifestyle I wanted? Well, I took that all those images, I put them on hard drives. And I told my, my collector type, of, I sold them as a collectible. I said, look, I understood my customer's psychology, psych, psyche. These are collector types. They're completists. They got to have everything. They're a fan of a particular model. They want every picture of Pamela Anderson or whatever it may be. So I said, hey, tell you what, instead of downloading all this stuff from the internet, instead of buying all these calendars, look, I've got all this stuff nice and neatly organized on, on, a, hard, on a 250 gigabyte hard drive. I would buy these from Amazon, you know, Look for the lowest private label seller and buy them. I had five computers that were constantly copying around the clock. I would sell these hard drives for $499 and it'd be complete. I did the first one in 2010 and it sold ridiculous numbers. I'm like, holy cow, I, I got to do this again. It's like, what do I have? What assets do I have? So I started looking in every desk drawer of the office, like old CDs, old whatever. I came up with another hard drive. Like, oh, here's the bonus collection. You know, these were the ones that were, you know, we were lost. Uh, you know, the lost tapes. You know, the, the just like Jimi Hendrix, the lost tapes album or whatever. These are the lost tapes. I came out with another one, made a bunch more money, and I was like, okay, let me combine the two together and then add some extra bonus, add a differentiating factor. You know. And then we even went back to the original images that we shot and re-edited them at one point. Like, because when we would shoot a model, we might shoot you know 500 frames, and we would use 40 initially. And I was like, well, let's go back and edit 60 more out. You know, and these are the ones that didn't make. These were the ones that were left on the cutting room floor. But it just might be your favorite picture. That just because it was wasn't ours, it might be yours. And so did it again. So just look for every. I mean, that's it goes back to when you have something. That's, uh, on Amazon or wherever it is, don't just rest on your laurels. There's so many ways you can uh, come up with a different perspective and think it from differently, and you can maximize that money, and you can you can ring that ring that towel dry. Um, if, if you oh, do I like right. that, ring that towel dry. So I, I just I, I always try to write my uh, title, and I'm sitting here li- listening to you, and you're like, take your existing assets and repurpose to maximize your opportunities. That's really what you're doing. And it seems like you're wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat every time you take that approach. So let's give some advice to people, right? Because they have products or they want to get in here and they want to get in private label and they want to get in and and start their own thing and they want to build it out. But, you know, it's, it's a little intimidating, right? It's a little scary. What you're describing is to 
to take something and then look at all the possibilities. I think that's that's what is enlightening talking with you is that you don't look at it and say, oh, I'm just going to pop this up on Amazon. It's a one-off. You see it can go here. It can go here. I could use it for this. I could use it for this. I mean, you see nothing but opportunity, don't you? That's true. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so that's that's I think if you look at it from coming from that perspective rather than it, it's it's a tool. It, it, it's it's not a commodity. I mean, your product is a tool for to, to oh, okay. so that you can achieve whatever it is you're trying to achieve, whether it's financial freedom or extra money or. You but know, what if they're not creative like that? You described yourself as a creative type. What if they're not? What if they just can't? I mean, there are some people who can't see it. You know, just for whatever reason, they just can't see the capacity or the potential of it. Can they hire it out? That part I of think it? You, you might be able to hire it out. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. It, it you might be able to hire it out. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to get. What's that saying? You got to get out of the. Uh, you have to get outside of the jar to be able to read the label. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, something like that, you know, is true. We get so close to our products that are passionate. Yeah. They're ours. And sometimes just bringing some fresh people in, uh, whether it's someone you hire or just taking your product down to the local bar, you know, and just sitting there for four hours and just asking people as they walk oh, by. Oh, yeah, a couple of drinks, people will be honest with you, won't or, they? Or, or going to a Starbucks and just saying, hey, you know, what do you think of this or what, what is this or how would you use this or or going and reading reviews of other products and seeing what people are saying in those reviews. You know, it's, there's a gold mine. I mean, on Amazon, you know, companies used to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get focus groups and market research to find out what now we can just go look at a product with a thousand reviews on Amazon and start reading them. And you'll yeah. see the language of the customer and what they like, and you can get an idea of their personality. And, and so it's, it's valuable, valuable stuff. Dude, you're killing me here. This is good. That's really good stuff. That's a really solid point right there, what you just said. Think about what they used to spend to get all those people to come in, and then they were biased in any way. You're getting a, hopefully, an unbiased, you know, assuming that the reviews are real, you're getting an unbiased look, and it's right in front of you, and it's free. It's absolutely free. Oh, love it. I mean, what I okay. do on reviews, I mean, just for an example, is I will take I will take review. I'll go and take the top five sellers on Amazon of whatever product, whether it's bully sticks or whatever. I will take them. I will run. I will put their ASIN into fakespot.com, and if it comes back as a, a, a B or higher, I know those reviews are real. If it comes back as an F or a C, those are a lot of fake reviews that people have bought or they're from review clubs or, or whatever. And so I will discount that. I won't use that product as a as to read the reviews. But if it's a, a, a or B and from FakeSpot, then I'll take that and I'll use a tool like the Helium 10 tool. It's a, I think it's a free uh, Chrome extension in the Chrome browser. It will download all the reviews instantly for you. So I don't have to sit there and scroll through page after page after page after page of reading a thousand reviews. It will download them all for me uh, into a CSV file in like 10 seconds. And then I can combine all five products into one file and then I can run that through different word pro programs like Frankenstein or that Helium 10 has or others and I can find the patterns really fast so I can tell me show me uh, I, I'm looking for three words or five word patterns you know of someone saying the same thing and it will tell me how many instances there are it will tell you all kinds of stuff and you can gab without having to sit there and spend days reading these things I mean you can do that if you want and I recommend at some point you do read a bunch of them but you the tools to harvest this data are are powerful now, and you can do it quickly and, and zero in and and then change your your product listing, whether it's on Shopify or Amazon or wherever, to actually 
be in the language of the customer. To we address think, those things, right? To address those things and to be in the language of the customer because when we write our Ooh, listings, the language of the customer. We, wow. we write them from what we think the product is and how, what we uh, think from our research and our experience, but the customer's experience and perception is often quite different and they will use language and words. You know, if I'm going to go sell uh, skateboards to punk, to punk rockers or whatever, I don't know their language, their lingo. I'm not in that millennial, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old age group that, you know, the slang that they use and whatever. I don't know what it is. Um, they, but, but I can go look at some skateboard reviews or skateboard product reviews, and pretty quickly I can, I can find out how, what abbreviations they're using, what slang they're using, and start using that in my, my, my listing, and you're going to resonate with that customer a lot better, and you're going to sell more, you're going to burn more. Write it in the language of the customer. Oh, Kevin, that was good. Okay, so uh, I'm going to let you pitch your stuff because you do have a couple groups. So people are – this is high-level stuff, right? And now, let's say it this way. It's not that high-level. It's really intentional and focused, right? I mean it really isn't that high-level. It's a matter of discipline and really putting your head down. Instead of spending all that time searching for new stuff, it's really taking and you know learning and really understanding my bet is you gain an enormous understanding of your products and then next time when you do happen to launch one you know exactly what to do you build the system there right. i know the answer to that i mean that's really powerful so if somebody is connected with this and they're interested in finding out more you've got a couple groups that you're part of that you're involved in that you know for for sellers who really can see this where they don't want to have a thousand SKUs, they want to do a few things and do them really really well this is the kind of group that you want to be in. So go ahead, make your pitch. Uh, well, yeah, sure. I mean, if, if I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I don't benefit in any way. <laughs> okay. I just, I want to help you just because no, I, appreciate I, mean, that. I know there's somebody who's going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking because I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I keep feeling like I, I can't do this and I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I can't get it all done. Well, there's a problem. You're doing too much, right? And so you're going to isolate it down and, and maybe use that Pareto principle and get that whatever it is and narrow it down and focus, but then maximize it. That's I think that's going to connect with a whole bunch of people, Kevin. Well, if, if anybody wants some other stuff for free, um, you can find me on Facebook at AMZ Marketer. If you just uh, look at AMZ Marketer, there's links there to all my other podcasts and stuff I've been on. You might enjoy listing some of those. That's all free stuff. If uh, I also um, I, I uh, mentor sellers doing over half a billion dollars in sales a year on Amazon in the not Illuminati. one seller. Let's qualify yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's not one seller, but multiple <laughs> sellers doing over half a billion. I think the top one does uh, 30 million or so on Amazon a year um, in the Illuminati Mastermind. It's Illuminati. Uh, mastermind.com uh, that that's a course for people that are, it's not a course I'm sorry it's a training for people that are already selling on Amazon so if you're brand new I don't recommend that but if you've are if you're already selling about twenty five thousand dollars or more a month on Amazon or other e-commerce we do a monthly webinar where we we show you the latest greatest uh, tips and tricks on what's happening on Amazon how to, to, to really crush uh, your competition and then if, if you're new to this is space, that for that's for private label or wholesale private label kind it's, of uh, it's white geared, label yeah it's geared more towards private label but it will it there's applicable stuff in there whether you're doing wholesale it's not really retail arbitrage type of stuff but if you're doing wholesale right. you'll you'll get some of we have some big wholesalers that are in there it's it's focused more on the private label side but a lot of it does cross over mm-hmm. and then for people who uh, are not uh, if you're new to the e-commerce game or maybe you just started and you're just doing a you know you're either brand new or you started and you're doing like few thousand dollars a month right now on Amazon you're like what what can I do to get get to the next level I have a, a course called the freedom ticket it's freedomticket.com 
Uh, and that's like it's an inexpensive course uh, that that takes you from A to Z uh, from on how to do Amazon. Uh, and I also do weekly Q and A's with all my members, so I answer every. I just did one early every Monday. I just did one uh, before we we chatted today, uh, and I answer every question uh, on those Q and A's that they may have as they're as they're going through their journey and as they're learning. That's awesome. Okay, and so I'm going to have links to all those uh, for somebody because again, if you're connected, I always tell people because they're always like Steve. Who's the best one? Who should I be with? I'm always like, you know, who I connect with, you might not. You know, you got to figure out who you connect with, who you can learn from. They're, we all learn differently, and, and sometimes, you know, you know what it's like. There are just some people you just immediately click. That's who you learn from, right? You just you can almost finish each other's sentences. That's what you want to do. And so if, this, uh, if, if Kevin's uh, uh, stories resonate and connect with you, especially if you're saying, I don't want to do a thousand things, I want to find an easier way. Um, hey, let me ask you this, Kevin. The, uh, the the description you're using about using tools, like where you're using Helium 10 and you're, you're squeezing it down and um, all those things, are those the kind of hacks, I'm going to call it a hack, not, not in a negative way. I don't mean it as a negative connotation. I mean it as a time-saving hack. Are those the kind of things that are really prevalent out in your in your stuff? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm a one-man show. I, I last year, you know, I did uh, several million dollars, and I don't have any VAs, and I'm, I'm a one-man guy. I mean, this year I'm probably going to be hiring one or two VAs, but I use tools. I, I work smart. Uh, I try to work smart, uh, not, you know, not work hard. Um, so, the tools enable you to do a lot of things uh, that you know you might have had a VA or someone do in the past. So, I only use like five or there's there's hundreds and hundreds of tools out there for Amazon sellers especially. I only use about five because um, they pretty much do everything I need. And some of the That's other awesome. ones that a lot of people use, I just you know that track your BSR, uh, you know, and stuff like that. I don't care about, so I don't I don't use those. Yeah, I think you're valuing the right things. Okay, so if somebody wants to follow up, best place to get you at Amazon Marketer is that the best place on Facebook? Because I'll put that link there. Uh, yeah, the Facebook.com forward slash AMZ Marketer. Okay. I will put that in there. Dude, you blew my mind. Um, I just love, I love the stories, but I love, I love how you're back doing what you were doing 20 years ago. You're just, it's, it's new, you know, terms or whatever, but you're back there. You're selling and you're figuring out the perspective from others. Um, you're, you're speaking the language of the customer. That's going to stick with me. That's a, that's a merch shirt. Somebody needs to get that shirt. That's a good merch shirt. Dude, thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. I appreciate it, Stephen. And I hope I've been able to help some of your audience and uh, I appreciate you giving me the time. I told you that's great stuff, isn't it? I mean, what a smart guy. Just a great guy too. Real friendly, real approachable. Um, you know, just just a really all around nice guy. Wealth of experience. Have been doing this for a long time, but he's involved in a whole bunch of other groups, and they are current. They are right on the edge, knowing every single thing that's coming on um, and coming out, and they're staying current. And I just think it's such a smart way to learn the language of your customer. I'm going to tell you, Kevin, that's a merch shirt. Get the, to understand the language of the customer. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at EcommerceMomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.